We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. And today we're going to talk about Andre Drummond. The Lakers have always had a knack for, and this is this is my you know just own personality having a player that i that gets scapegoated over the years that that is the feeling that i have and i always will rush to defend them and that often gets in the way of me actually sharing my opinion on that player of what they actually are because i'm so busy defending what i think are kind of absurd notions of who they are that are that's just out of balance right darius andre drummond is Classic case of one of those players. We've had a few throughout history. And Drummond has such a clearly defined strengths versus weaknesses that he has one version of him that's like this bear, right? That no guy that big should be able to move that quickly. He's got a great motor. He's just this really imposing figure physically that we saw in the very small stretches in which everybody was healthy in that Phoenix series in particular, we had like a 40% offensive rebounding rate when AD was healthy and Drummond was in the game. The starters, the starting lineup in that series was a plus 21.8 net rating, whooping on a Phoenix team that's whooped on every other lineup pretty much. The starters really took it to them before AD went down. There's also a version of him where everybody, no matter how much you see when you watch basketball, you're like, what the hell is this guy doing? And I would love, Darius, for us to try to strike a balance in this first segment of who is the player that Andre Drummond is actually relative, without accounting for any of the narrative or any of the criticisms, who is he really? Well, he's both of those players. Yes, he is. And most of the time, he's somewhere in the middle. And the valid frustrations around Drummond is that some of the mistakes and and you said this aptly a while back but that his mistakes are so loud that i think they carry more weight in the analysis of him as a player right because you'll see him flub a lob dunk or you know 
make one of those. And I made this analogy on one of the pods, one of his sort of drunken boxing drives, mm-hmm. right? Where it's sort of just like, oh, a step here, a step there. My yeah, body, my arms, some dudes. Yep. yeah, like my <laughs> arms are going this way. My hips are going the other way. Like, I'm just going to go in this direction. Let's see if you can stop me. And there are too many times I feel like that those things get highlighted in a way that overstate how important they are within the context of the flow of a game, right? Now, the tricky part in evaluating Drummond, in my opinion, is that when you get to playoff level basketball, you've got to eliminate some of the more noisy mistakes almost entirely. I would argue, though, that that is how we should be making all of our decisions. Everything should be reverse engineered from what playoff basketball is like. So that matters. So it does matter. And I think that you have to bake that into your analysis of what Drummond can be as a contributor to the Lakers. And a lot of times when I look at any player, Mike, and whether or not I want him on the Lakers or not, it's almost like one of those old sitcom shows where one of the main characters is trying to make a dating decision and they're like oh well on one side i've got all these pros about what this person is for me and on the other side i've got all these cons and let's add them up and then we'll see whether or not i'm gonna be with this person right and there's like a whole 30 minute sitcom episode about this one little thing but There's truth in that when you start to make evaluations on what life decisions are going to be, right? It's like, what are the pros and cons? And Drummond is an interesting test case for this when it comes to the Lakers, in my opinion, because he has obvious pros as ways that he can help the team. And I think as an individual player, his cons show up in ways that can be detrimental to a team who has championship aspirations. And that's why I sort of fall in the idea that he is so talented that in the right-sized role, he can be a good player on a team that has championship aspirations. The question is, is fitting him into that right-sized role and what that role will look like and then playing that out over the course of a full NBA regular season and then a playoff run and all of the locker room stuff that goes into that as well because it's a puzzle. So from your perspective, like we didn't get a lot of Drummond. He had context in which he joined the team that were not ideal, like after sitting out for a long time and then not getting to play with the best lineups that he could have. And all of this, I think, needs to be baked into the evaluation. So big picture or go in whatever direction you want. Where do you stand on Drummond at this point? What you just defined in the positives and negatives and a guy with clear pros and cons that basically defines a role player. And yet Drummond, because he can be yes. so he can be so great at some of those roles, specifically rebounding, uh, specifically just the the athletic gifts that he has for that size, and the fact that he played on bad teams and therefore had some ridiculous numbers a couple of years and did make the All Star game. I think that his rep coming in left people wanting more than what he's shown, which is a perfectly good NBA player. But because of and, and the reason that he was available, I think, should have colored the expectation uh, for what people thought. And I always thought that that was where the the want for Drummond and kind of the what he was going to be able to deliver were a little bit off. I used to feel the exact same way, but in a 
sort of in an inverse in an inverse way for the Lakers young guys when I felt like I was always and this is when I'm more doing Thompson and Trudell on ESPN and everybody's expecting the world from D'Angelo Russell and rookie Brandon Ingram and rookie Lonzo Ball and I'm like guys you can't gauge a player off of one year in college in the scope of the Lakers and expecting that guy to give it all to you right now and it's so I, I was constantly I felt like defending those guys in the way that this year I was defending Drummond which was not based so much on the play, but based on the expectation and based on what they're going to be able to to, to give you long-term, Pete. So let's talk a little bit about what is Andre Drummond good at? It, yeah. here's the, the thing that I just want to put out there is I would at least like people who are against Drummond to entertain the possibility that the several that several NBA people who are in high positions, who have won championships with the Lakers, who think highly of him, who have told us over and over again that they liked him for this year, but they also see him in the long-term future, which I think we'll talk more about in the second segment, that there's a possibility that they know what they're talking about. You may disagree with them, but the positive attributes of Andre Drummond, they matter and they aren't found all over the league. So, for example, his ability to hedge high on screens, but also be able to be a drop guy. Now, he's not a great drop guy, but he can play drop coverage. Look at look at the defensive rating of Andre Drummond in the Phoenix series versus the defensive rating of our other fives. And a big part of that is because he could step out and then recover back quicker. He was more mobile. He's faster than Mark. He's a bigger, more physical presence on the interior than Trez. He makes some rotation mistakes. Part of that would be better if they actually got to play together. Rotations are one of those things that that come from playing together. Um, but that versatility is not common amongst big men in the league, especially players that are his size. And that's where on – so I would argue that defensively is where his value is the most, but it's contingent upon LeBron and AD playing. And that's the other big thing is that as a role player, as is true of almost all of our role players, and I would argue he was one of our best role players in that Phoenix series. The bar is low, but he, relative to our other role guys, like he did what you would expect Andre Drummond to do, I think. Um, but he's just like our other role guys is dependent upon playing with those guys. And so it's more on the offensive end where you have to figure out some of the spacing things. And 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 so Andre Drummond on offense, there's an argument to be made that AD is a five, right? AD's best position is a five. The spacing isn't great. The half-court offense was not good throughout the season, right? Before, during, and, and into the playoffs with, with Drummond um, and, and even before. So how do you make Drummond and AD work on the offensive end? And how do you weigh that, Darius, relative to the attributes that he brings on defense. Any second big, even Marcus All, any second big that plays with LeBron and AD is going to create some problems for the team offensively, right? Mark is probably the best case scenario for the type of player that you would want offensively as a second big. Right. Not only because he's a shooter, but because he's a good passer. Right. So I think you need both of those things as sort of a floor spacing big, because if all you do is shoot, but you have no playmaking value, then all then basically you're just going to stand in the corner and guys are going to cheat off you anyway in certain ways that limit your function 
within the flow of how good offense is going to look. But as we saw in the Sun series, even with a shooting big like Gasol and a shooting big who can pass like Gasol, he was not being guarded in a way like a player who has real gravity. That's right. And there, one of the big things to add to that is that Mark is not a threat to attack closeouts or to drive right. to the basket. So he would, they would, when he'd get the ball, they'd press up on him and just dare him to drive. And that's just not part of his game. That's why even with a stretch five, attacking closeouts is a big part of stretching the floor. The same thing has been happening in the Bucks net series, like with Brooke Lopez. Brooke Lopez is probably more ably footed than Mark Gasol. Right. But even Brooke has issues attacking closeouts. And there was a late game possession in in game five. They closed out hard on Brooke. He had to put the ball on the floor and then he ended up shooting like a 12 foot runner that like clanked off the backboard. And it was like a one percent like, yeah. chance to make it. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's not his game either. Right. And, and so. And getting back to Drummond, uh, I, I bring up the Mark stuff and the spacing stuff because getting things to work with Drummond, you have to accept the fact that things aren't necessarily going to work that great. Like there are there are things you put on the table and things that you, if not, you take them off of the table, you put them at the other side of the table. Right? Sure, but that's and, true. And so like, that you would put, like you said, that second big, that's going to be true unless you're getting a max guy or, you know what I mean? Like the guys who don't fit that description are making way more than what we have to offer. So it's still on the table, right? But you have to work harder to go and get it, especially if you're <laughs> at the table by yourself, right? So, oh, let me get up and walk to the other side and get the salt, right? Like it's still there, but I got to do a little bit more to make it happen. And so, Mike, I think that's a bit of the trade-off because in making things work with Drummond, you ask more of LeBron James. You ask more of, of Anthony Davis. They have to be a little bit better than what they would have to be if a guy who complicates their jobs wasn't on the floor. So that's the take. The give that Drummond gives is like, okay, well, guess what? Like we saw in part of the Sun series. We saw this in the game against the Nets when the Lakers won in Brooklyn. There are things that he puts back onto the table when even just one, but particularly when both those guys are on the floor. He gets those guys extra possessions. He can clear space for them inside the paint by blocking off, right? And and creating driving lanes as well as sort of complicating them by setting better screens so there are positive attributes that he brings, but he can complicate those players' lives. But guess what? They're the superstar players. They're going to have to live in worlds where their jobs are made a little bit harder. It's why they're the pillars of the team. And, and there's a certain amount of that I think you have to bake in to what you get with a player like Drummond because if you want a guy who's going to make LeBron James and Anthony Davis's life easier – on both ends of the floor and doesn't take anything off of the table yeah guess what that guy's probably approaching a salary of 25 or 30 million dollars because he's probably gonna be like a superstar type of guy unless that guy's like an elite shooter who is a, an elite three and d guy 
right? And even those guys are going to be like 20 to 25 million. And so it's it, it's it's hard for me, but I want to try to contextualize this this Drummond stuff some. Yeah, the, the context is always so important. And that's what I think that was the main thing I tried to do with Drummond the, since they acquired him. And he barely played a single regular season game with both LeBron and AD, let alone healthy LeBron and AD. And like LeBron wasn't healthy, uh, period. Right. So, so it just wasn't like you got to the point where if you look at the numbers and you try to figure out the defensive rating, the net rating, you just have to throw all that stuff out for Drummond's regular season. Then you get to the postseason and the numbers actually bore out pretty decently for Drummond uh, compared to almost everybody else on the roster. And I would I would try to contextualize more Darius like this. So when I was trying to pick what college I was going to go to there, you know, you start at 20. I think I eventually narrowed it down to 10 and then I got down to a final four and eventually a final two. But in that final four, I made the spreadsheet and okay, this, what does this place have the location overall academics uh, for me, soccer was a part of it, journalism school. And so some schools checked all four, most of them would check two or three. And that's how I look at the Lakers centers the last couple of years. So you got Dwight, you got Marcus Gasol, you got Andre Drummond, you got JaVale McGee. And they're all going to check somewhat different boxes. If I had to pick one who probably fit best with LeBron and AD, it might be Dwight, honestly. Uh, but it's just as a – like Mark as an idea, Mark two years ago would have been the clear answer. Like Mark, a space five who's that brilliant on defense that can kind of give you – but he's older at this point. So, and Dwight still had that, phys- that peak physicality that could ride with LeBron and AD. And I think that with a full season – Drummond could approximate that and certainly closer than JaVale, but there are some boxes that aren't going to be checked and that's fine. So that's where I I almost have felt like there's been so much emphasis on this position unnecessarily because all of those guys were fine. Like they're all good enough for the Lakers to win a championship with, with a healthy LeBron and a healthy AD. And, and, and Pete, I, again, I, I always hate when I feel like I'm minimizing the point or like we're, we're specifically breaking down the, you know, and so I, I, I don't want to do that again with Drummond. I just and I, I do think it's important to break it down. I'm just also not compelled to uh, to like say that he was some kind of a big problem and they couldn't have figured it out and won with him this year. No, totally. And, like, yeah. if you look at the playoffs, like these are guards and wings who stunk out loud. Right. Like, obviously, the. LeBron and AD's injury are are right at the top of the you know reasons why things went they did the way they did. But there were a lot of missed open shots and a lot of perimeter mistakes by players that didn't play the five. But this goes back to how I introduced the pod, right? Is that yeah. for some reason certain players just get right in that spotlight when things get uh, don't go well. And Andre Drummond found himself in the middle of that. I love the point that you made about checking boxes. And let's take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk about that through the lens of the playoffs because I think certain boxes with big men in particular are more important than others we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So we've seen over the last five plus years in the NBA, bigs getting increasingly played off of the floor come playoff time. The league generally, more than I think people realize, still starts like really big dudes at the five. And if you look at the Western Conference playoff teams, even in the East, almost everybody has just a really big human being at the five spot. Rudy Gobert, DeAndre Ayton, Jonas Valanciunas, you can go on and on, Nikola Jokic. But... Come playoff time, we do see the league get smaller. And the reason for that and what puts a premium on that and what put, what puts such a, such a stressor on the big guys is the ability to move their feet and be mobile on the perimeter. And that is why Drummond, in certain contexts, and again, I think we're talking about a two-shift player in the playoffs. Let's, again, to Mike's point of properly contextualize how important this dude is in the whole theoretical conceptualization of of this is like probably a two shift guy but that ability to be mobile on the perimeter Darius that of the boxes Mike was talking about checking for a big that is absolutely essential because you really can't play if you can't move on the perimeter and that's part of the reason why I'm bullish on Drummond especially in the context of great athletes aside him that are also big in LeBron and AD we just get, barely got to see it Look, if you're going to be a big player in the NBA and compete for a championship and be a starting level two or three shift player, I would skew more towards three shifts than two in terms of what you want from a starting center. Like you want him to be able to close a game right now. He doesn't have to close it, but against 75% of the opponents, you want to be able to say we're comfortable going to this dude the lakers have more of a luxury because of anthony davis and, and he can do that for them right right our, but, our starting center is kind of like our eighth or ninth guy in terms of importance because ad is going to fill a lot of those minutes in the playoffs exactly but the beauty of having anthony davis is that he can punish he can punish both a center and a power forward in very specific and unique ways Right. And there are going to be times where you want to hammer a team that plays a smaller or a stretchy power forward or a certain type of power forward. You want to hammer them with Anthony Davis. Like, oh, you want to put this dude on Anthony Davis? Right. Yeah. Go ahead. Have your center guard. Like, and this is why Mike's point about Dwight Howard was super important. 
is that one of the things the Suns did against Marcus All is they said, yeah, Jay Crowder, you go guard Marcus All. Because that's even though that dude is big and heavy and, and can be a load, he's way out there. And he's not gonna punish that switch, right? Or that and, smaller, and it, yeah. And so then you put the bigger center dude who is more athletic, who is stronger, and you put that guy on on Anthony Davis. Guess what? If you put a smaller dude on Andre Drummond or on a or on Dwight Howard in the example that I was saying, Dwight was gonna manhandle that dude he was going to ragdoll him he was going to draw fouls he was going to get offensive rebounds and he was just going to be nasty in the paint with that guy and wear that dude down and if that dude's a shooter if that dude's a shooter guess what that's doing to his legs guess what's that like that physicality impacts the game in in ways that that show up in the box score but not in the place that you're actually seeing it on tape that's right right and so in terms of getting back to, to the idea of Drummond, you need to be a defensive – like the prism that he should be viewed through is defensively, right? Because if a big can't hang on the court defensively, if he doesn't have a job defensively, that guy is not going to play very much. Like it, it just doesn't matter what you can do offensively. And if your profile is so big offensively, that you have to play, right? Because you're, you're Vucevic for Orlando, or now that he's on the e- Bulls. Even Jokic, like to an extent, right? Like Jokic has gotten better as a defender for sure. But part of the reason why Chris Paul and Devin Booker can go off is because, right, there's a, some limited mobility out on the perimeter. I just want to hammer this point, okay, that you're both making. Because this is what Chris Paul has figured this out. He said so the other day when the league went into the drop coverage. So what did he do? He perfected that little mid-range part, the free throw line. He's going to get there, and he's going to just rain shots. Uh, and, and there are only so many bigs that can do anything about it. One of them, I think we saw in the Phoenix series, was Drummond. He did a pretty decent job of not, of not giving that space and not just letting him get, uh, get that stuff off. Rudy Gobert can't do that. It, as great as Rudy is, Chris knows if they – well, we may not see it. Because we don't, if, if Chris Paul doesn't get back in time, but that's the thing that they can expose, and it's the same thing that he just did to Jokic and Denver's guard injuries and all that kind of stuff was obviously a major factor too. But Chris and to an extent, right, uh, even Booker or Campaign yeah. can run that same type of stuff. Yep. In dr- and that's kind of going back to Pete's point. And the uh, the only other thing I don't want to lose, Pete, that you said earlier. The guards' wings not stepping up for the Lakers. That's it. Wasn't that was where they lost the series on top of the injuries? Is that nobody else just offensively was able to yeah. come in and carry a burden? And and that's not on Drummond. That's not on the centers. But but so yeah, you don't you don't blame Drummond for the spacing of that because there's you know people who think that like well if you have better spacing out there maybe those guys are hitting shots or getting no better I, don't, I don't I don't like they we, I, I'm we with just, you on that. yeah we've seen it too like they won last year again with. Well, Oftentimes it was either Dwight or JaVale just sitting in that. And again, I get they get a little bit more vertical spacing than Drummond gives you. But still, like how was the spacing that big of a problem when Anthony Davis uh, just decided to attack the rim? AD no. shot 40 free throws in the first three games of that series. And that's with five in the first yeah, one, right? So he saw 35 free throws, Darius, in those two games. So he had no problem getting to the rim when AD was really being Anthony Davis. This is why 
I feel like, look, let's let's blame the people who actually deserve the blame. <laughs> yes. Right? And, and and so we can blame Drummond for the things that Drummond does does wrong. Right. And we can highlight ways in which Drummond might make things harder for other people. But when other people don't do the things that they're supposed to do, I'm not going to blame Andre Drummond for for those things. I'm not going to blame Andre Drummond if Anthony Davis decides I'm going to float this game. Right. Because last time I checked, this isn't being John Malkovich. Right. Uh, if you've never seen the movie. Oh, here we go. I need Mike. Mike yeah, I need Mike here. John, but, being but, John Malkovich came out in like 1996. John Malkovich was an actor for the 90s. Very popular. Uh, Mike, help me out with no, this. He, it was about being in his yeah. head. You had that. Yeah. You had that. I mean, I, I would say that Rounders, um, I would recommend to any of the youth out there. Very good movie. Um, it's a great movie. And um, he his role in that is very key. But Pete summed it up. So thank you, Pete. All right. Carry on. So, so anyways, no one is jumping into Anthony Davis's head, is particularly not Andre Drummond, and telling him, you have to play a certain way this game. Like, hey, AD, go ahead and just camp out around 18 or 20, 20 feet. Like, hey, AD, why don't you just shoot that step back a couple more times this game? Th- that's what I would appreciate as Andre Drummond. Like, no, that's not happening, right? And so let's... Put things on AD for the things that AD does. Let's put things on KCP for the things that KCP does. And let's put the things on Andre Drummond that Andre Drummond does, right? And so I don't need to blame Andre Drummond for something else. I'm going to blame him for the stuff that he does, right? (laughs) Right. And and if that makes him a two-shift player or a one-shift player certain games, then guess what? That makes him a one or or a two-shift player. The things that Drummond is good at, though, I'd love to get back to the checking boxes point because when it comes to playoff basketball particularly a i think drummond is a good enough defensive player and a versatile enough defensive player particularly when his motor is revving at the right level it doesn't have to be super high but at the right level there's a baseline level for that that he's going to be a useful defensive player and that's the baseline he can be useful he can also be impactful defensive player and he can also be somebody that he shouldn't be on the floor right now Yes, and that's fine for any role player. Like, I hate to keep hammering that yes. well, that point, but he should be looked at it the same way you look at a player like KCP or Danny Green or if it's a player you like, an Alex Caruso. There are times where even Caruso is just sort of just like, hey, we're going to go away from that right now because the thing that we really need is this other thing. And Caruso's not as good at that other thing. And so we want this guy on the court instead, right? And it was the same even with a player like Danny Green, who made $15 million. It's just like, look, what we really want is more speed. And so Danny Green isn't giving us speed. So we're going to go smaller and we're going to play guys who might make $3 million, right? But that dude is going to get up and race the floor. And so I want that guy. So in getting back to the checking boxes stuff is I think his rebounding on both ends of the floor matters, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. I think that his screening both on and off the ball matters. And I think that these are things that are useful. Uh, I'd love to know from an offensive skill set point, and I'll put this to both of you, you guys, are there things from an offensive skill point side that you see as things that Drummond does that you see as particularly useful 
to the Lakers to this Lakers team outside of offensive rebounding like rebounding is is one thing but but what do you see from him offensively even if it's just passing or certain types of passing just anything that you guys think that you think that he contributes positively there were a couple of different pockets of Drummond's career in Detroit where they decided to run more offense through him from and essentially he would catch the ball like around the free throw line and he could he could make passes from there or he can do the one dribble to his little hook like so he he's not bad like he can do that he can score but he's not great at it either and on a team with LeBron and AD I just don't think you want him doing it that much so I to me he this is all again it gets into this whole conversation of what did Drummond expect from an offensive perspective did he expect to have some of those kind of touches and that kind of love not from the way that he spoke from the way that he spoke was that he understood the role around LeBron and AD and when LeBron and AD weren't available to play we saw a little bit more of that stuff from Drummond Frank Vogel was like let's check it out let's see where he's at let's see how this fits in with some of the personnel but ultimately and if he's going to be around moving forward that is the spot where I, I don't think you want to even though he can do some stuff Darius I don't think you want to focus on that as much I think you want him to be uh just the the rebounding defensive put back uh, occasional finishing alley-oop, even if he's going to drop one here or there. Like that that kind of stuff is what I would think would be ideal where you're not asking him to do more than that. And that's, again, it's not to say that he can't do it. He can do it better than some centers for sure. Um, he's got more skill and he's got uh, more talent in that sense. But I, I don't think you want to have to depend on that. And that to me would be asking a little bit much if you want it to be super efficient, B. I think Drummond's playmaking is a secondary or probably more accurately a tertiary action that is the exactly the type of thing in which the injuries and lack of cohesion and lack of playing time together it, you don't get that out of a team when you don't get to play together but you do have it when you get that playing time together he's a really good skip passer d out of the post a comparison golden state would always in uh in their in their prime they still do this with Draymond but they would post up either Draymond or Andre Iguodala. And he would be, that player would be the fifth option on offense, even though they had the ball in the post. Now, this is this is significantly easier to do when you've got Steph and Clay and just shooters coming off of, spring, off of uh, split cuts and all of the action that you can run off of a post up. That said, I think that post play, of which we did not maximize our post sets in this season, Post play doesn't necessarily have to be for the guy who has the ball in his hands. Again, a lot of times that's the fourth or fifth option on that play. Andre Drummond is a really good skip passer to, you know, to KCP. He can dribble from one spot to the next. Like he can go, for, he can move from the top of the key to the bottom if he's attacking and somebody's off balance, right? Some of these are, you want to limit the drunken boxing drives, which I think come from give the ball to Andre, Andre, go to work. We want to limit the Andre go-to-work situations, but if we put structure around him and if we put something where he's making either this read or that read, he has a certain amount of ball handling and uh, passing ability that is not the primary part of his game but can be functional aside from setting good screens and getting off. That's, that's what Detroit did you know, after, you know, once they, especially once they got to know exactly what his game was. 
yeah. yeah, it's like yeah. a handoff with KCP and you get KCP downhill because KCP isn't good on pick and rolls because he can't really dribble that well. But he's pretty good on handoffs if you get him going downhill. Drummond can make that play, you know, make that handoff and roll to the rim. We saw this a few times. He can fake that handoff if they're overplaying and put it on the deck and get to the rim himself. There's just some versatility there that, of course, you don't want that as the main thing. But if that's a secondary or tertiary type of action, that's part of the whole mosaic of what a good offense is yeah so the interesting thing with me when it comes to drummond and i wrote about this at foreign blue and gold a while back is the concept of going from being a star to being a star in your role right Mm -hmm. and drummond's been asked to be a star in his career he was drafted in the lottery he was looked at from almost the minute that he was drafted and with every team that he's played on so far besides the Lakers he has been looked at as a player who you're a pillar of our team you're going to get a ton of touches you're going to score the score the ball we want you to be an anchor defensively there were all of these lofty asks that you make of a player of his pedigree and his skill set and there is a transition that happens with almost every star player who is not a superstar level guy, right? Like the LeBrons, the Kobe's, those guys go to whenever they reach that point to the end of their career and retirement as, as like, no, you are a focal point guy right? Everything is going to revolve around you. Almost every other type of player, like Carmelo Anthony, I think is a great example of this as a guy now, right? They still allow Carmelo to cook some, right? Because he's that good of a scorer, but he he has transitioned into a different phase of his career. Vince Carter was like this as well, right? Where it's just like, okay, you play long, long enough and the game goes away from you. And there is a transition that happens, for for those guys if Andre Drummond has a future with the Lakers he's going to need to make that transition from being a star to being a star in his role and the requirements of that latter description are different and there is a shift in your mentality that you need to make and if there is a question with Drummond it's how quickly does he build that bridge right to get from star to star in your role because the asks are it's not like he's doing so many different things on on the court it's the ratio in which he does them and it went from hey post up for you means you go get something to now hey post up for you means we're doing this for someone else and right and there's a mentality shift that goes with that. Drummond is still going to be able to finish on dump offs. He's still going to be able to catch some lobs. He's still going to be able to go to the offensive glass. He's still going to be able to set screens and be a functional part of a good NBA team, even a great NBA team. The question is, is the, and I've brought this up a lot with Schroeder, the possession to possession decision-making and the instantaneous reading of what's required of you. That stuff is different if you're a star versus if you're a role player. And there were times where I thought the asks of him changed a lot from game to game. And this is something that happened to Kyle Kuzma too, Mike, where it's just like, hey, AD's out tonight. You're starting. Guess what? 
like, it'd be nice if you could get us 20. Oh, hey, next night, everyone's back. I need you to play good defense and, and like be and stand in the corner there for, for a while. And I don't know if that helped Drummond either. Right. It's just like one night you're playing next to AD the next night. You're not one night. LeBron's playing the next night. He's not. And it's sort of like the thing that you're build building for, there's no continuity there. And the idea of him, him adapting was probably harder for him. Well, I would say, though, that he was actually very good when he got to be a role player. He only played four games with LeBron. He didn't play many games with Anthony Davis, and he he only played like a very small stretch with both of them, right? And just over the course of his entire time here, when that happened was when he got to just do simple – like a star role for Andre Drummond is too broad. Him as a first or second option, he is not going to be able to fill that role and – you be a playoff team. But in the very rare instances in which he got to just be a role player and do the things that he needed to do, it simplified things for him in a way that where the overall lineups were productive. LeBron's being LeBron, AD's being AD, especially in that playoff series where we really saw AD at his best. And the problem is just we didn't get to see a whole lot of that. So a big question is going to be, what is all of what we talked about, the positives of him, the negatives of him? What is that worth in an offseason market? Uh, we're going to cover that in a different pod. But he's a role player who checks some boxes and doesn't check others. And the Lakers are going to have to make an evaluation of what that's worth to them. But we'll cover that in a in a future pod for sure. I think that wraps up the week's worth of podcast for us. We will be back next week to see how these conference semifinals play out. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. Catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds. With his eighth block. An NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, score. Miss it. Right. Unbelievable. Score victory. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. Bad insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters.